Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. It's Sermon Sunday, so today we turn our attention to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, as we hear the sermon that was preached at Christ Church this morning. Chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It's an incredible story. It's a story that we're all familiar with. It's recorded in multiple gospel accounts. And it's a story that we need to hear. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be silent and remain silent. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you cowardly? Do you still not have faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, as we look once again at your word, We ask that you would add your blessing to this reading of your word. That we might be strengthened to believe your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We know this story so very well. Sinclair Ferguson, I heard one time preach on this passage and and he made the comment that that sometimes passages like this are difficult to preach on because they're so familiar that there's things that that we miss because we think, oh, we we get what's going on here. We know what it's about. It's about God being, you know, Jesus is God and and he's the Lord of the sea. and, And certainly that's absolutely true. But there's some things that happen along the way in this story that we need to notice. There, the evening has come on the day that we've been looking at that, that Mark has presented all of these, king, these kingdom parables from. They leave the crowd, they take Jesus, and it says just as he was, that probably just means he was already in the boat, like, hey, y'all, let's go. I'm waiting on you. And as they go out to sea, as they go out on the Sea of Galilee, this big lake, and, and, and this huge storm comes. And it's normal for storms to to come out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. The the geography is interesting. The Sea of Galilee actually sits uh, about 700 feet below sea level. But then, uh, particularly on the east side, these huge mountains reaching up to like 9,000 feet, some of them, just rise up to the sky. So you end up with this massive kind of temperature differentiation between the top of the the landmass and down in the basin where the Sea of Galilee is. And if you know anything about thunderstorms, you know that that mixing of hot and cold air can produce just absolutely phenomenal weather. And it does on the Sea of Galilee regularly. Just unbelievable. 
unbelievable storms. Storms that, that you don't want to be in out on a boat in the middle of a giant lake when they hit. It would not be a comfortable situation. In fact, the waves are so much, the story tells us, that the boat itself is filling with water. Now, these boats, what they would have been in, uh, would have looked something like when you think of a rowboat, think of that, but make it bigger. So that probably about 15 or so grown men could sit in it. And, and four guys would sit in the middle to row, two on each side. And the, the front and the back would have a little covered area that you could get up on to pull nets in and things like that. So a sizable boat, but not so big that you're going to be comfortable in this incredible storm that comes. And it's open, except for the ends. And so as these waves crash, it can fill with water. And you know, this was before the time they had bilge pumps and stuff like that to empty the boat. This is a bad situation. This is not where you want to find yourself. And there's this guy that they've been following around. And he has healed lepers. And he has cast out demons. And he's made blind people see. He's done all kinds of incredible things. And so they look for him. Maybe that guy can help. But that guy is asleep. On the stern of the boat, that's the back. He's asleep. Just laying there. And so they wake him up and they ask this question. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Think about that question for just a second. Think about who they are asking and what exactly they are asking. Now, I get it. We have the advantage of having the entire Bible that was still happening, right? The events in it were still unfolding before them. We have the advantage of having the entire Bible before us and knowing that this gentleman on, asleep on the stern of the boat is the very Son of God, the Word of God, by whom all things were created, who is going to tell us that the only reason I came to earth was because you were perishing. Because you're sinners in need of a Savior. The audacity of this question is really incredible. And, and it's really what we find from Jesus' response is a question of just absolute faithlessness. Do you not care that we are perishing? Remember, Jesus said, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. That wasn't their idea. That was Jesus' idea. And yes, along the way, this phenomenal storm showed up. And they had to decide what to do. We can look at this storm. And our little boat 
and the water that is in it, and we can lose our collective minds because we see no way out of this mess, and surely we are going to die. Or we can look at this guy who has performed many miracles at this point, who has shown himself repeatedly to be God, who has called us to follow Him, and who is peacefully sleeping on the back of the boat. And we could say, maybe it's going to be okay. After all, He's the one that said to get in the boat and go to the other side. And He doesn't seem all that worried about whether or not we're going to get there. He seems perfectly at peace, perfectly perfectly content to let us just continue. Okay, boys. Jesus has us keep rowing. We're going to get there. When you put it in those terms, in light of our faith, that seems like the obvious answer, right? You look at your Savior, you see that He is at peace, you see that He is not shaken by these events, and I am supposed to trust Him, and so I will walk in the confidence that my Savior gives me. But, that's not how we almost ever respond, is it? We look at the situation and we see the storm and we look at ourselves and we say, I'm not strong enough to row through this storm. Our boat is already filling up with water. I see no way out but through death. And this dude is asleep. Fat lot of good you're doing us, Jesus. Do you even care that we are perishing. And that's what the disciples did. That was the route they took. Do you even care that we're perishing? This one who came only because they were perishing. Do you care that we're perishing? It's why I'm here at all. And we do this too, don't we? If we can allegorize, I know that's supposed to be against the rules, but if we can allegorize for just a minute, we're probably not going to go sail across the Sea of Galilee. Stefan might. I'm not going to join you if you do. But we're going to face storms in life. We're going to face those moments where something happens And we're faced with an option. We can either look at the situation we face and lose our collective minds because we think, oh no, there's no way through this. I don't know, maybe an election happens. Or we can look at the throne and see our king sitting there. Not worried at all. Not wondering at all, am I about to lose my kingdom? Are my people about to be conquered? But instead, as the Bible says, 
laughing at the foolishness of men who think they would stand against him. We do this with our lives when we face personal suffering, when we face, face personal tragedy, when we, when we face all kinds of things. We're faced with this exact decision. Am I going to look at this storm and malign my Savior as if somehow the only possible way that He can care about me is for my life to be a bed of roses? Or am I going to go to His Word and hear that it says, hey, sometimes you're going to suffer. But as we just sang... When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the waves will not overcome you. When you walk through the flames, you'll not be burned. Yea, though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear because he's with me. His rod and his staff comfort me. How do we respond to life? Repeatedly, the Bible calls us not to look at the storm and wonder if God has stopped caring, but to look upon our Savior and rest with and in Him. when we respond as the disciples did, we're responding in faithless flesh. But here's what's amazing. Jesus' response is twofold. And the first part of it is grace. He wakes up. He doesn't rebuke his disciples first. He answers their prayer and he rebukes the sea. And this hippie language, peace be still, that's not what he said. It's just not. If you read it in the Greek, it really should be more along the lines of shut up and stay quiet. That's what he said to the sea. He was rebuking it. He was exerting his absolute, unquestionable, sovereign authority over his creation. Be quiet and stay that way. That's what he said. He had been woken up. He wasn't sinfully angry like we are in the morning. But he had been woken up. And so he dealt with things appropriately. He rebuked that which was a threat to his people. That's what he did first. 
What comfort is there in knowing that the response of Jesus, the first response of Jesus, even to this faithless, maligning prayer of his disciples, was to answer it with mercy for them and to give them the peace that they thought they had lost. Be quiet, he said, and stay that way. And the wind ceased, and a great calm came. Mark had described a a great storm, and that has now been replaced with a great calm. His people are secure, and they know they're secure. But in his gracious, merciful, loving care for his people, he's not done with them yet. He looks at them, and again, why are you so afraid? No, that's not quite it. Why are you so cowardly? Delos is the word. Not phobe, not the normal word for fear that, that's used later when they're in fear, in awe of God. That wasn't their issue here. Delos is only used three times in the Greek New Testament. Here in the parallel passage in Matthew and in Revelation 21 where the cowardly are thrown into the lake of fire. Likewise, it's only used three times in the Septuagint in the Greek Old Testament and there also never in a positive way. But always to highlight the cowardice of people. That was Jesus' question for them. Why are you so cowardly? Do you still not have faith? See, what he was asking was, did you not see that the one who told you to cross the sea was asleep and wasn't concerned because he knew everything was going to be fine? Did you not look to me, your Savior, and follow in what I've set for you? I was in the storm with you. I'm right here. Did you not see that I was going to see you through? And of course, the answer for them and for us so often is, well, well, no, because you weren't doing it the way that seemed appropriate, Jesus. You were asleep. But it's not our prerogative to decide how Jesus gets us through this life. It's not our prerogative to decide what he does and doesn't call us in and out of. It's only ours to keep our eyes fixed on our Savior who has come because we are perishing and continue to trust him 
continue to follow Him. Continue to walk with Him. Standing only on His promises that He will be with us to the very end of the age. And so, like a good Messiah, He pushes back against His disciples' lack of faith as we so often need Him to push back against ours. Why are you being so cowardly? Do you not have faith? Oh, we don't like that line of questioning at all, do we? We don't like being reminded that that our cowardice, that that our anxieties of life, that that our fear over tomorrow, that, that all of this really does flow from faithlessness. From not trusting that the sovereign God of all creation actually does have everything under control. And we start to think that somehow we have to rise up and and flex our muscle to get ourselves through this because we're looking at God and we're saying, do you not care that we are perishing? Why are we being so cowardly? Do we not yet have faith? They were filled with great fear when they saw what happened. Because they understood from the story of Jonah that we read earlier. They understood from Psalm 107 that that we've read before. They understood from the story of creation. They understood from the book of Job that it's only the God of all creation who commands the sea. It's only the God of all creation who sets the boundaries of the waters. It's only the God of all creation who brings storms for His purposes on His people to get them where He wants them to go. It's only the God of all creation who by His Word silences those storms. It's only the God of all creation who says to the sea, be silent and stay that way. And the sea obeys. And it did. And now they saw what they truly needed to fear. Now they saw why Jesus asked them why they were being cowards. Because they were fearing that which could do them no ultimate harm while they had in their boat the one to whom that storm bowed. And their eyes were opened that they might not any longer be cowards, but rightly fear 
God who was in the boat with them. And at a word could silence everything. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. It is God. We need to ask this question of ourselves. When we find ourselves living in this abject fear of whatever metaphorical storm we may face and we've forgotten who it is that we serve, we need to remember this story. Who then is this? It is God. That, dear Christian, is who is with you. That, dear Christian, is who has inhabited your being by his spirit. That, dear Christian, is who is your strength. None other than God himself. Come because we were perishing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the hope that it gives us. For the reminder of who we have. For the reminder to whom we belong. Oh, would you give us faith that we might no longer walk in the cowardice of our flesh, but in the strength of our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.